Hawaii is on fire. And Africa's on fire, too. But who cares? Megan Rapino choked in front of the whole world, so let it burn for all I care. Nothing can bring me down today. Okay, people, let's begin. everybody are you ready to be baited with the truth good because you're listening to the truth bait podcast i'm documentary filmmaker and podcaster andrew marcus flying solo again today as we de- deconstruct the propaganda war being waged against the american people ladies and gentlemen boys and girls Let's get to the truth. Yes, let's get to the truth. Flying solo again. Hey, I want to thank the people who uh, wrote in to uh, give me words of encouragement. Flying solo, not my preferred method. Really wish Jeremy Siegel was with me. Uh, And I know he wishes he was with me, too. I know all of you wish he was with me as well. Uh, But again, he is unable to join us. He will be hopefully back with us as soon as he can. And uh, you know what? I wanted to highlight... What did we get? I got a letter from... Oh, yeah. I should also say, first of all, share the show. Share the show, ladies and gentlemen. Share the show. That's how we grow. And uh, also, don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts and rate the show. If you go to our Apple Podcast page, you scroll all the way down, you'll see the stars. Give us five stars. That's really the only rating uh, we deserve. Um, So give us five stars. And write a comment. Leave a comment there. That is helpful when people are looking for something new to listen to. Uh, those comments help. And um, yeah, so thank you to well, a number of people. Janice in Arizona wrote in to give me some, give me some words of, enc- of encouragement. Uh, Big Al and Joliet wrote in. So did Jeff uh, in Elkhorn. Hi, guys. And Jerome, we are thinking of you and praying for you. And I know he appreciates that. Andrew, good job on holding down the fort in Jerome's absence. Thank you very much, Jeff. I appreciate that. Jeff goes on to say, also really appreciated the expose of Chicago's resident Marxist idiot, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. It's not a mob, is uh, what he uh, was concerned with. That's what Brandon was concerned with. Brandon Johnson, the mayor of Chicago. Uh, You have these teen takeovers, as they're politely being called, um, uh, where uh, people are just uh, mobs of people are taking over areas of Chicago, vandalizing, creating a lot of crime. And uh, a reporter asked Mayor Brandon Johnson about the uh, the mob actions, and uh, Brandon Johnson was quick to react against the term mob. Not quick to react against the mob, just the term mob to describe them. Jeff says, for over 50 years, Chicago was my favorite big city in the world, but since the tag team of Lori and Brandon, not anymore. Jeff in Elkhorn, uh, parenthetically, he says, Wisconsin, 
the state that is on the edge of of demonic takeover thanks to the change in the Supreme Court, state Supreme Court. Yes, uh, Wisconsin, uh, I was hoping Wisconsin was going to be a refuge, and uh, I don't know, worrying signs. But thank you, Jeff, for writing in, and thank you to everybody for writing in. I definitely appreciate that. The encouragement is helpful. Uh, Writing, write us at truthatruthbait.com. Uh, write and uh, send me your feedback and send me stories. Send me videos. If you send me videos, please make sure to add time code uh, and a comment. I don't want to just, you know, I mean, I definitely appreciate people sending me interesting stuff that they're finding out there, but even more interesting is what you think about the things that you're sending me. Please make sure you include a comment. Uh, and a time code. When you send me a 40-minute video, I need that. I, uh, I might not have the time to go through 40 minutes, and um, uh, your time code is helpful, but even better is your comment. It's, you know, it's one thing to hear me, but you are the producers of this podcast. That's what makes this so interesting. It doesn't, what I think is, you know, of course, what I think is incredibly important, uh, but what you think is also incredibly important. Uh, and as producers of this podcast, you get a voice. So have that voice. All right, let's get into it. Like I said, Hawaii is on fire. And, uh, oops, sorry about that. Hawaii is on fire. And it is the headlines that began to run on this immediately. Just made me a little bit suspicious. Let's see if it makes anybody else suspicious. We begin with the staggering losses on Maui as wildfires race across the island with a speed and ferocity that took everyone by surprise. Hundreds of homes and businesses destroyed, the death toll jumping overnight, and there are fears it could go even higher. The fire fueled by fierce winds and drought, nothing but a chimney left of this home. So that's, okay, that's ABC News. We have wildfires that were fueled by high winds and drought. Let us go now to uh, ABC. It's another. This is another ABC report. Wildfires raging across Maui tonight. People racing to escape the flames. Wildfires raging. Here's the question. How do we know they're wildfires? Wildfires would imply uh, a bolt of lightning... Uh, or uh, somebody careless with their matches while camping, or somebody not putting out their campfire enough. Uh, wildfire is almost a it's a characterization that I don't understand how they can give it. It, it is a fire, but it, how do they know it's a wildfire? If it was committed, if it was arson, would they know that it was, would they call that a wildfire if somebody, if they knew somebody started it as, as arson? So that made me suspicious right away. Right away, they've defined it. And that makes, like I said, that makes me suspicious. Let's bring in ABC's senior meteorologist, Rob Marciano. And Rob, we're seeing this unusual weather pattern in Hawaii driving those powerful winds. Unusual weather pattern. I don't know, but I have been lucky enough to, twice in my life, I have been able to go to Hawaii. One of those times was roughly right about now, this time of year, was in late July. 
And one thing I distinctly remember was how incredibly windy it was in Hawaii this time of year. I'm not... I guess what may be unusual is that there's a hurricane going on right now. I don't know that it's unusual that there would be a hurricane right now. There's a reason why this is the off-season right now in Hawaii. Uh, I don't know. You can see where this is going, though. The unusual weather pattern, drought. Yeah, very unusual with the entire Pacific. That pattern is beginning to shift a little bit west. That's the good news, and tomorrow will be a better day, but tonight we still have some issues. That high pressure north of the, of the islands and that hurricane door now southwest of the islands, that pressure gradient has amplified those typical easterly trade winds and got into 70, 80 miles an hour last night. Today, 40, 50, maybe 60 miles an hour until at least 6 o'clock local time. So red flag warnings remain up. Remember, they're still in a drought, so very dry fuels. And those advisories uh, will bring winds to 50 miles an hour. But tomorrow, wit should be a better day. Still in a drought. And not only that, so uh, Big Al and Joliet sent me an article, an AP article. There's a line in this article that just blew me away. Uh, I'll read from this. Maui experienced a two-category increase in drought severity in just three weeks from May to June, with that rapid intensification fitting the definition of a flash drought, said Jason Otkin, an atmospheric scientist at the University of Wisconsin. A flash drought! I've never heard of a flash drought. I've heard of a flash flood. A flash flood. You're 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 standing somewhere. It's raining. Uh, the, the the earth doesn't have time to absorb the rain that's coming down, and all of a sudden you are encountering flash floods, and you need to get out of the way because a flash flood is suddenly coming in. You don't have you don't have weeks to get away from a flash flood. You have minutes, maybe seconds, maybe no time at all. It's a flash flood. It happens in a flash. I don't know that you get a... Could you imagine? A, like what other things happen in a flash that take three weeks? If you got flashed on the subway for three weeks. <laughs> a camera flash that goes off for three weeks. You will be blind. Yeah, flash. A flash drought. Uh, okay, anyway, uh, even in the past week, there's been a quick acceleration of that drought, said University of Virginia hydrologist Ventkat Lakshimi. Flash droughts occur when the rain stops and it gets so hot that the atmosphere literally sucks moisture out of the ground and plants, making them more likely to catch fire. Quote, plants are getting really, really dry, Lakshimi said. It's all related to water in some ways. <laughs> wow! It's, it's all related... It's all related to water in some ways. That's amazing. What an, ama <laughs> what an amazing observation. Drought is related to water in some ways. We, okay, we've been studying the plants. We've noticed that they're very dry. We think it has something to do with water. Okay. We, we have our best people on it. Here's from CBS. Why have things gotten so much worse? It's a combination of three things. We have increased episodes of drought. It's climate change, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> climate change is to blame for the fires.
and here's France 24 to also hammer the point home. So this is not just a national story. It's an international story of climate change disaster. So you have dry vegetation that is, when there's a spark, it's easier for that vegetation to ignite and for the wildfire to spread. Um, climate change in many parts of the world is increasing um, increasing vegetation dryness. It is climate change around the world. This isn't just Hawaii, ladies and gentlemen. This could happen to you. Watch out, everybody. The entire island. So here's what happens. This is this is what happens to an average human being who consumes this media. This is uh, a clip from TikTok. Some random neurotic lefty. The entire island is on fire. And the entire island is on fire. The entire island is on fire, and it looks like it got bombed. It's crazy. That's true. The areas that burn do look like they have been bombed, and it is a disaster. I'm not trying to downplay the disaster. It is an absolute unmitigated disaster that happened there. I just don't believe the media narrative about this unmitigated disaster, that this was a wildfire caused by climate change. Uh, the island of Hawaii, Big Island, is also on fire. But some- wait, 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 wait. The Big Island is also on fire. Remember that. Not as bad. This just goes to show you that climate change is real. It's destructive, and we need to deal with it. Whether that's future planning, cutting carbon emissions, there's lots to do. She has downloaded the message, ladies and gentlemen. The flames were... This is from PBS. The flames were fueled by dry vegetation and low humidity, along with strong winds from a hurricane farther south. In the past several decades, as agriculture kind of declined, this is across the state, these spaces fill in with literally tons of fuel, and these grassy fuels are highly sensitive to quick drying out and really easy to ignite. You know, the thing is... And this is where this inter- this gets interesting, this PBS report, because the truth slips out in this PBS report. Just remember, up until now, everything you've heard is that these are wildfires, and it's because of climate change. But here the truth comes out. This is a local meteorologist on this PBS NewsHour report. You know, the thing is that in Lahaina, um, what what potentially even caused the fires was the power lines that went down. 29 power lines went down. So uh, there is no easy, quick fix to this. Um, The fiber optic cable was damaged over in Lahaina as well. So for Lahaina Town, um, this is not... uh, Oh, and if in 24 hours, Hiko will be fixing this. That's not the kind of situation we're in. We're in a years to recover. Everybody catch that? There are reports that this was from a downed power line. So really what I think we're looking at here is a downed power line and poor forest management. That's That's probably... What we're looking at here, but just remember, it is definitely because of <laughs> because of global because of climate change. Uh, here's remember uh, that previous report where there was um, they were talking about uh, the that 
the one woman was talking about the fires on the Big Island. So the, the fires that 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 have made the big news are what's happening on Maui, but the main island of Hawaii, the Big Island as it's called, they also had some fire. And I found a report about that, and it's interesting. And let's see if you find if you figure out why it's interesting to me and and should be to you as well. And on to the Big Island. All fire evacuations in Kohala have been lifted and all major highways are back open following multiple brush fires. The Hawaii Fire Department will remain on scene to monitor any flare-ups. Mayor Mitch Roth says at least one home was badly burned in Kohala. Hawaii police say separate brush fires in Kau this afternoon may have been intentionally set and they were quickly extinguished. You don't say. A little bit of arson going on in the Hawaiian Islands. And it's not even a recent phenomenon. This is a report from uh, just a few months ago on KHON Channel 2. A portion of a Hollywood movie production site caught on fire. That's according to Honolulu police. As investigators open an arson case, the Honolulu Fire Department reports the incident around 11 p.m. in Haleiwa at the intersection of Kamehameha Highway and Kane Hall Road. I love how they listen to how they open up this report. A portion of a Hollywood movie production site caught on fire. Caught on fire because of arson. <laughs> they opened up an arson investigation. Yeah. Uh, so. I think there's a lot of possibilities before we just immediately go to climate change. Man-made climate change. Evil man burning Hawaii to the ground. I do wish the people of Hawaii uh, a speedy recovery from this disaster. It is a an awful disaster. It does look like this historic town... Uh, in Maui has been wiped off the uh, wiped off the island, and there are just awful stories of people fleeing the fire by g- going into the ocean, and that has spawned stories of people who were <sighs> having to choose between hypothermia in the ocean and uh, burning as they got closer to shore to try and mitigate the hypothermia just a an absolute nightmare scenario and that is what makes what the media is doing hijacking this disaster to suit their own progressive narrative they're disgusting they're vile shameful shameful so uh moving on hawaii is not the only place on fire africa is also on fire and i have i have an africa report I have music for the Africa Report. I don't know how people are going to feel about that particular piece of music. I have a second one. Since this is the first time we're doing this, I'm just we'll audition them. Here's the second intro music uh, piece potentially going forward. People write me, write me at truthatruthbait.com, which let me know which one you like better for Africa update. Africa update. I like this one. See, but this one sounds more like a newsroom, like an African newsroom. (laughs) 
Welcome to your Africa update. Oh, I, it's a tough choice. <laughs> it is a tough choice. I'm going to need my producers to write me, please, and let me know which one you like. Here, we're going to do the first one again. It's almost like race time at Africa. Like if there's a thoroughbred race, that might be what you'd hear before they before they go. Okay, here's number two. See, I like this one because this now we're in the bush. We're with the people. The other one's elitist. It's at the racetrack. Mm, the jockey club. Anyway, Africa update. Uh, Africa is absolutely on fire. And Africa is going to be more and more in the news. Get ready to get to know a lot more about Africa than you ever have because this is where the Cold War is beginning to move. Uh, my guess is that Ukraine, Ukraine is winding down. I've been saying uh, for quite some time that the uh, Ukraine will be a front in the Cold War. It'll be like the uh, uh, the Berlin Wall, uh, that Napier River. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, that's going to be the boundary between East and West. And now the fighting is moving to Africa. And if people have been paying attention, there have been a lot of coups in Africa. Uh, most of them in West Africa. Here is a report. Let's start with Voice of America, because remember, Voice of America is produced by the United States government, uh, administered by the State Department. So it's really the official word that they're that they're putting out uh, internationally. This is becoming a sadly familiar image in West Africa. A group of military officers unhappy over poor security and bad governance imprison the country's leader, take over the airwaves, and declare themselves in charge. That's what Hmm. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I've ex- experienced that somewhere before. <laughs> what happened in 2021 in Mali, later that year in Guinea, in 2022 in Burkina Faso, and last month in Niger. So pay attention again. Let me play that again, because these are all the different countries that have had coups just in the past two years. And uh, it'll become important because you're going to notice a pattern eventually. Country's leader take over the airwaves and declare themselves in charge. That's what happened in 2021 in Mali, later that year in Guinea, in 2022 in Burkina Faso, and last month in Niger. This is a proxy war, and there's been an ongoing proxy war in Africa for the last three to four to five years at least. It's sort of a new scramble for Africa. But here the external forces are the United States, Russia, and China. And uh, each, you know, Russia likes to f- to conquer, if you will, through the Wagner Group. China u- likes to use economic warfare called Belt Road Initiative. But a lot of Africans don't see United. And I did not cut off what he thinks America uses. This is the voice of America. They don't mention what America uses. Uh, so I didn't want people to think that I just cut that out. The, he talks about the Wagner Group. He talks about China. He did not talk about the United States. To conquer, if you will, through the Wagner Group. 
China likes to use economic warfare called Belt Road Initiative. But a lot <laughs> we just like to use warfare. <laughs> we don't use economic warfare. We just use warfare. But a lot of Africans don't see United States as a committed partner. So I think that the the opportunities for carrots and sticks from Washington are limited, and they're frankly being challenged by Russia and China. The ECOWAS regional body gave the coup leaders a Sunday deadline to reinstate the president and have threatened force if they don't comply. ECOWAS is the uh, organization of uh, West African states that basically are aligned with Western interests. Uh, it was, I think, largely organized by the United Nations and is heavily supported by the United States. Uh, and just for context... Here's a, I found a Voice of America report from four months ago as Anthony Blinken went to, went to uh, Niger to, uh, uh, I guess, to try and shore up the situation. Good work, Anthony. Terrorist organizations like Boko Haram and Islamic State and branches of Al-Qaeda continue to pose a threat to Niger and governments across sub-Saharan Africa. Amid regional security concerns, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken chose to visit Niger. Blinken announced nearly $150 million in humanitarian assistance to help meet the tremendous need in Western and Central Africa and the Sahel created by regional instability. We are also supporting investments in the long-term security of Niger, investments that you heard the minister refer to, help make Niger's law enforcement uh, more effective in combating terrorism, strengthening border security, enhancing counter-narcotics capacity, stemming trafficking, helping to investigate, prosecute, and ultimately reduce terrorism, violent extremism. Uh, and probably helping them procure more LGBTQ plus progress flags uh, to fly over their buildings. Um, yeah, so basically Blinken uh, came in to offer them all this support to shore them up, and they, within four months, collapsed. Uh, here is a report uh, from Democracy Now!, which... So Democracy Now!, I don't know if anybody's familiar with it. This is a lefty outfit uh, fronted by a uh, on-air anchor. She's been there forever. I don't know if there are any other anchors on this network. Uh, Amy Goodman. And I, this is just my opinion. I don't have anything to present to you today to back this up. I just happen to think that Democracy Now! is basically a CIA front, and it's where they communicate to the hard left. I think the CIA has fronts on the hard left, fronts on the hard right. I think they're communicating uh, and controlling the message to uh, all different sections of the American populace. And so I do think that this is where they communicate to the hard left. ECOWAS, a block of West African countries, have threatened to take military action unless the coup is reversed by Sunday. That's August 6th. Meanwhile, the leaders of Burkina Faso, Mali, and Guinea have all warned against foreign intervention in Niger. Now, the leaders of those countries are all part of ECOWAS, and they've all, again, recently had military coups that ousted uh, their governments and, and oriented much more towards a Russian-friendly government. 
And in New Jersey, we're joined by Nick Terse, investigative journalist, contributing writer for The Intercept, recently revealed one of the leaders of the coup in Niger, the Brigadier General Moussa Salou Bahamou, was trained by the U.S. military, recently met with the head of U.S. Army Special Operations Command, Lieutenant General Jonathan Braga, at the U.S. drone base in Niger. African officers trained by the U.S. military have now taken part in 11 coups in West Africa since 2008. Now, let me give you a little background on Nick Terse. Uh, Nick Terse, this is from his Wikipedia page. He's an American investigative journalist, historian, and author. Uh, Terse earned an MA in history from Rutgers University, Newark, in 1999, and his doctorate in sociomedical sciences from Columbia University's Graduate School of Arts and Sciences in 2005. As a graduate student, Terse was a fellow at Harvard University's Radcliffe Institute for Advanced Study in 2010 and 2011, and at New York University's Center for the United States and the Cold War. Now, I'm not saying he's a spook. I'm just simply saying that that sounds a little spooky. This guy, he's a journalist. Uh, and a historian, but nothing he studied <laughs> would seem to be what you would normally study if you're becoming a journalist. Uh, and again, since he's appearing on Democracy Now!, I just I can't help but feel a little bit like this is the CIA line we're getting. Ladies and gentlemen, Nick Terse. You know, as, as you said, the United States has uh, you know trained a, a number of coup leaders in West Africa over recent years. Notice he laughs about that. <laughs> he thinks it's he thinks there's that it's kind of funny that we've been training all of these coup leaders. It is interesting that we've been training these coup leaders. You have to you have to ask yourself the question: Are we stupid, or is there something else going on? I guess it could be both. But you know, as as you said, the United States has. Uh you know, trained a, a number of coup leaders in West Africa over recent years. And this is part of the U.S. security strategy. I mean, they've flooded this region, uh, the uh, West African Sahel, with a tremendous amount of security assistance, uh, really, since 9-11. Air Base 201, it's, it's uh, located in Agadez, which is uh, in the, the uh, central north of the country. So now he's talking about the airbase that, from what I can tell, is it's basically a CIA drone airbase uh, run in Niger, uh, Niger, Niger, however you like to pronounce it. And uh, uh, so he talks about our interests there. Airbase 201, it's, it's uh, located in Agadez, which is uh, in the, the uh, central north of the country. And this is really uh, the linchpin of uh, U.S. military outposts, uh, which have proliferated over the last several years uh, in West Africa. Uh, this is a, a, a surveillance hub. It's used for anti-terrorist activities. Uh, as you said, drones are launched from here, uh, including armed drones, uh, MQ-9 Reapers. Uh, so uh, this is an exceptionally important base. I think um, They'll, they'll do everything they can to keep uh, Air Base 201 uh, in action and as much uh, U.S. military presence there as possible. You know, one thing that really stood out to me, the Washington Post yesterday. So uh, the we have a very strong military interest in Niger, and it looks like we're not going anywhere. Uh, it'll be interesting to see 
what comes of that if this new coup-led government is uh, actually orienting pro-Russia and China because Russia and China, they're going to want that drone base out of there. So what will we do to defend it? Uh, And then he makes this really, Nick makes this very interesting comment at the end of his interview. Yeah, one thing that really stood out to me, the Washington Post yesterday published uh, an op-ed by the uh, deposed uh, head of state in in Niger. And does that remind you of anybody? Uh, Jamal Khashoggi? The Washington Post seems to be where CIA assets go to write. (laughs) <laughs> when they're no longer uh, a part of the government that they were embedded in. Again, I don't know that this guy was a CIA asset, the leader of the former leader of Niger, the deposed leader of Niger. But uh, the fact that he showed up in the Washington Post makes me very suspicious because that's where Khashoggi ended up as well. Uh, President Bazoum. And, you know, he talks about it being the last bastion of democracy in the Sahel. Uh, when I was there earlier this year, uh, I, I did not find it uh, the most democratic uh, state. Uh, if you read State Department reports, you'll see that uh, there are tremendous amounts of, uh, of uh, abuses of uh, the citizenry there. So Nick is on Democracy Now! talking down the previous president of Niger, the now deposed president of Niger. Well, that makes me very, very curious. Now, let's add in a few more things. I'm going to go back here real quick to another uh, clip from Voice of America, which I think begins to get at what might be going on here. To symbolize their seriousness, protesters in Niamey on Sunday slaughtered a rooster painted with the tricolor of former colonizer France. This poor rooster. <laughs> they they painted the rooster it, it, uh, the the colors of the fr- the French flag, and then they cut its head off. Peta, where are you? Their seriousness, protesters in Niamey on Sunday slaughtered a rooster painted with the tricolor of former colonizer France. I love that that also demonstrates their seriousness. <laughs> we, we didn't think they were serious until they brought out the rooster and cut off its head. And that really, that in fact, that's what made the former president flee. <laughs> when he saw the rooster, he didn't even wait for its head to come off. He saw the rooster. He's like, ah, I resign. I'm done. Sunday's deadline to return President Mohammed Bazoum to power came and went. From captivity, he managed to dictate an editorial to the Washington Post, in which he said the coup, led by the head of his presidential guard, has no justification whatsoever. A Monday Pentagon official said there was no change to the force posture of the hundreds of U.S. troops there, and no plans to evacuate them. Now I'm starting to see what might be the beginnings of a pattern in the reporting. The... Anger is at the French, and the Americans aren't going anywhere. Here is from France 24. Let me... What what could possibly be going on here that is not what meets the eye in terms of the reporting? I can't help but wonder if... Emmanuel Macron has uh, has made an enemy somewhere <laughs> that is working to destroy him. 
Uh, I don't know if you have been paying attention in France over the last couple of months, there were just devastating, devastating riots taking place that uh, from the outside looked like they could be the kind of thing that could topple the Macron government. And now you have all of these Western countries, Western African countries, that are basically uh, experiencing a series of coups throwing off all their old relationships and reorienting towards Russia and China. I find it very interesting in the context. If you remember, it was just a few short months ago that Emmanuel Macron went to China. China rolled out the red carpet for them. France was very smug about what geniuses they were in international negotiations because they were managing their relationship with China. Uh, uh, Forget America. uh, uh, They're going their own way. Uh, But whereas Macron was uh, greeted uh, at the uh, airport's VIP lounge by the foreign minister, a close friend of Xi Jinping, when uh, European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen arrived, she got the ecology minister at the regular uh, passenger exit, (laughs) as reported there by by, uh, Politico. And I believe Macron had a fairly large entourage of French CEOs moving with him. Uh, including the CEO of Airbus, yeah. uh, who I believe is working on a a, a new order for from uh, Chinese various Chinese airlines. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, they're they're also talking about opening a, a new factory uh, in Tianjin. I think so. Um, it sort of calls into question, you know, how far whether the EU is really serious about you know decoupling. Uh, with China. Obviously, that's been the line from Washington, mm-hmm. uh, trying to push the Europeans to uh, take a more confrontational we'll, we'll stance. Just- so here's my question. You have the United States working closely with members of the military in Nigeria who then end up being a part of the coup that tosses France out. And the Americans are basically saying, well, we're not going anywhere. (laughs) We're staying. We're here. What is the possibility that the CIA is just crumbling Macron's life down around him? What if the CIA is working with, well, working with our enemies, (laughs) working with Russia and China or whomever, to undermine the French associated governments. It could it could either be that or it's also possible that China, now that they have Macron alienated from the United States and possibly parts of Europe, uh, that now they're weakening Macron's position so that he's a even more pliable partner. He's more desperate now. Either way, Macron is now going to be more desperate and more beholden to whichever side he partners with. If he partners with the West, he's beholden to the West. He's going to be beholden to the United States. And I've got clips that will show why. And if he truly does more align with China, he's going to be 
he's going to be their poodle in a in a in a hand purse. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, little Macron. Here is uh, from Al Jazeera. Al Jazeera English. Niger has seen rising anti-French sentiment since its military deposed the president and took power last Wednesday. In recent months, several countries in West Africa have moved to end their military ties with France, demanding that French troops leave the region. Coincidentally, ever since he visited China. The former colonial power appears to be losing its influence in the Sahel. That's despite President Emmanuel Macron's election promise to reset ties with the continent. So, what's behind the shift? What role has Macron played? And where do French-Africa relations go from here? We'll get to our guests in just a moment. Uh, Shortcut, they go into the toilet. (laughs) That's where they go. (laughs) France is basically completely marginalized in all of their former strongholds in Africa which is extremely important to them. Right now, uh, Macron is either begging China for help or the United States for help. Who is he begging for help? Whoever he's begging for help, that's probably who did this to him. First, a report from Felix Nyawara. Long live Putin and down with France. <laughs> they're, they're all, they all have Russian flags and are chanting, long live Putin. Even more evidence to me that this is a CIA op. <laughs> Some of the chants echoed by thousands of coup supporters marching through the streets of Niger's capital, Niamey. The unrest follows France's suspension of all development and financial aid to Niger prompting some protesters to storm the French embassy and setting fire to its entrance. Years of colonial and neo-colonial influence appear to have resulted in a decline in France's influence in West Africa, and some now see Russia as an alternative. China too is competing for influence, funding or lending money for large development projects. Last year, French troops were forced to leave Mali and Burkina Faso when their military rulers opted for a new alliance with Russia in the form of the mercenary Wagner Group. Now, with Niger's coup leaders strongly speaking out against France, it's not clear where that leaves its influence in the region or its fight against armed groups. And here is a report from India. Uh, from first report on YouTube. These countries will intervene militarily. That's what they've said. The deadline they've said set is of Sunday. But it seems that the junta has no intention of stepping down. They're already issuing decrees and scrapping decade-old agreements. The target of their ire seems to be France. You see, France relies on nuclear power for 70% of its electricity production. And Niger is one of its biggest suppliers of this nuclear fuel. So will the coup in Niger lead to blackouts in France? Here's a report. The world must understand that Africa's misfortune is France, the authorities, because the French are citizens like us, so we can't hate them. But we hate their authorities because they've done too much harm to our country and really enough is enough. We have uranium, we have diamonds, we have gold, we have oil, and we live like slaves. 
Why should we? Until when? We can't accept it. The French base in Niger must leave. We don't need the French to keep us safe. Five military deals have been revoked. These deals were signed decades ago, between 1977 and 2020. So to revoke them clearly sends a message that Niger's new junta considers France the enemy. This is a country rich in natural resources. Uranium, gold and oil like one of the demonstrators mentioned earlier. But it was still considered one of the poorest nations in the world because it has been in a situation that most former colonies face. An unequal power dynamic with its former colonizer. Some critics call it neo-colonization. Raw materials like uranium from Niger go to a former colonizer like France. It is used to fuel French nuclear power plants. The French energy sector benefits, sells its electricity abroad, generates billions, and then gives some of the money back to Niger as aid. This isn't a hypothetical scenario. This actually happens. France generates around $3.3 billion a year selling electricity. Meanwhile, Niger, which supplies about 18% of France's and 5% of the world's uranium, remains poor. Uh, and then just this last clip from France 24. They're not laughing anymore. Now, the overthrown President Mohamed Bazoum has written in the Washington Post that he is a hostage. What do you think was his aim in choosing a U.S publication specifically to to convey his message do you think that that will have uh, actually reached out to the people he's trying to talk to yeah, I thought it was a very interesting um, development to have President Basum himself sign an editorial uh, in, in, in the Washington Post, a major newspaper, obviously in the United States, uh, describing himself as a hostage. Reading it, it looks um, pretty likely to me that he had some strong advice on uh, on uh, how to word that editorial at the very least. <laughs> strong advice from his CIA handlers. Uh, but I think it's an intent to put, to maintain a pressure in the United States or to try to rally the, the people in the United States who are more likely to pressure, to maintain the, the pressure on the junta uh, in Niger. So, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's us doing this to France or if it is China and Russia doing this to France, or maybe it's all of us doing this to France. We should, remember, we probably have to be thinking about this through the, uh, the, the framing of that, that America is in control, is being controlled by our enemies. Uh, Barack Obama is basically an enemy to the West. He's the one who's actually in control of the United States right now. And so in that context, things like uh, doing this to France, things like blowing up the Nord Stream pipeline, these all seem to be things that would be uh, designed to destroy Europe. And if you're Barack Obama, you're anti-Western, you're anti-colonial, uh, I don't know. I, it, it makes me think it's very, very possible that it's the it's Obama's CIA that is responsible for this. Uh, but it could, like I said, it could just as easily be the CCP weakening Macron's position. Uh, you know, now that he's losing Africa, he may need to beg China for resources. Resources we can't give them unless we can give them uranium.
Because that's what he needs. He needs uranium. So, like I said, keep an eye on whoever he goes to beg for resources because that's who he, that's who probably did it to him. Uh, and that's the end of my Africa report. Uh, again, I, well, I don't know which one of these to use. Is the end? That's the end of my Africa report. I'll use them both. Very good. Uh, oh, I guess it's not part of the Africa report, but <laughs> it's pretty close. So uh, it is, it's sort of Africa related. Um, I received uh, an email from, this was a story tip from Alan, Big Al in Joliet. And. Uh, here we go. It is a it's a link to a red state article. Los Angeles 7-Eleven proprietor uses Toto's Africa to keep homeless encampments away from the store. <laughs> uh, and there's video here. I'll play the video. Here's here's the video. Proof that the 7-Eleven is still playing Toto's Africa 24 hours a day. He's walking up to the 7-Eleven. <laughs> Here it is. See? No sound manipulation. <laughs> and I can tell you in the video, there are zero homeless. Everyone is trying to get away from Africa. <laughs> This is not, actually, this is not a new story. Uh, it's a new story from that particular 7-Eleven, but uh, this has been going on for quite some time. This is the first time I've, I've heard anybody using Africa, but here, this is a uh, an ABC report. No, no, no. Uh, let's see. I don't know what, who this is. It's Morning Fix. Here's Morning Fix. Toto's Africa is going to bless the rains for the rest of time. Oh, wait, hang on a second. Wrong clip. Here it is. This is uh, from Fox 7, and it is in... Uh, this is also in California, but it's not the same 7-Eleven. Patel says he started playing the music about 10 days ago when God... Oh, no, wait. This is out of, this is out of Austin, Texas. 7-Eleven out of Austin, Texas. Let me re- let me re-tee that up. And so here is a clip out of Austin, Texas. Uh, Fox 7 in Austin, Texas. This was... Um, a number of months ago. Patel says he started playing the music about 10 days ago and got the idea because other store owners have done it. Studies have shown that the classical music is annoying. Uh, <laughs> annoying. 
<laughs> I'm assuming they're correct because it's working. Some people think it's a good thing. It's helping out. It's, it's not annoying to us because they don't bother us, but it bothers probably them because they're on. They're doing the drugs. It's the right solution. But others think the opposite. Now, guess who the others are? I believe just talk to them and ask them not to hang around or not to live around or whatever. I think that's the best solution. Frederick Carter says he started going to a different 7-Eleven that doesn't have music. This music is not really <laughs> good. I mean, it's loud. So he is somebody, he's, he is one of these people that, that they're actually trying to drive away. He's hanging out in front of 7-Elevens. He decided to go to a different one that isn't playing this music. Dick. This music is not really good. I mean, it's loud. It's obnoxious to me. I don't like it. You can hear it a long ways off, you know. It's very disturbing. Mission accomplished. And here's another one from California, also a few months ago. The sounds of 7 a.m. Vehicles, vendors, and Verdi? We had to do a little homework, but that's Italian composer Giuseppe Verdi's 19th century opera, Simone Bocanegra. Blasting from the speakers of a 7-Eleven convenience store along Modesto, California's McHenry Avenue. The store's owner told the local paper it's, quote, a win-win situation. The goal? To cut down on the number of loiterers and homeless outside the store. Customer Tim Gomes, who comes for the blueberry coffee, says it's working. It's pleasant now because for the past two years, it was almost like a mini tent city here. And the music has gotten rid of that. Uh, very clever. Good for them. Uh, here is a clip from The Morning Fix. Uh, I guess this will wrap out the Africa segment. That 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 song, uh, Toto's Africa, well, somebody is torturing Africans with it. Toto's Africa is going to bless the rains for the rest of time. has created a sound installation that's going to be playing the 1980 hit, uh, 1982 hit on a loop forever. forever. The art piece uses speakers and an MP3 player powered by solar batteries to play the song on a continuous loop. The installation is located in the desert in Namibia. And the artist wouldn't tell anybody where in Namibia it is located, but I can tell you just visually, it is surrounded by just empty, empty desert and sand dunes and not a single homeless person to be found. And that is the end of our Africa update. You know, I don't know. I like the song Africa. <laughs> Maybe I'm weird. I just have fond memories of that song. Uh, okay. Oh, this is this is one of my favorite stories. Like I said in the opening, okay, yeah, Hawaii's burning, Africa's burning, but who cares because Megan Rapino choked in front of the entire world. But before we talk about that, let's talk about this. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we've reached that point in the podcast where I break in to my own podcast to tell you how it is we take care of business. 
here on the Truth Bait Podcast. You may have noticed not a single corporate sponsor. No sponsors at all. You've just been listening to almost an hour of original content, originally produced content, uh, analysis and deconstruction of our propaganda war that is being waged against us for free. You don't have to pay anything. We do this using what's called the value for value network, uh, value for value model. Can't even say it. The value for value model. And we do this so that we don't have to take corporate sponsorship. There is no way that we could honestly deconstruct the propaganda war being perpetrated against us if we were to take corporate sponsorship because that propaganda war is being sponsored by the corporations. And so they don't really want any any content out there that is deconstructing what is actually going on. We would just have to produce content that they approve of, and that would be not what you like listening to and what you enjoy taking part in and having a voice in and producing. It's the value for value model. If you like the way we're doing this, we ask you to return value to the podcast so that we can keep this going. And the way that you can do that is to write us at truth at truthbait.com with content. Send us video, send us stories, send us your opinion as to what you think uh, is important about these stories. Send me your criticism, your feedback. This is incredible value that you can give back to me and to this podcast to help us keep going strong. And share the show. This is absolutely critical. Uh, Share the show, rate the show, leave a comment for the show up on Apple Podcasts. Very important. Um, uh, those are just uh, key ways that you can give back. Also, write at truthtotruthbait.com and join our mail list. Uh, have in the subject, subscribe, and we will add you to the mail list that will eventually kick off. And that'll be, uh, hopefully, the, that'll be an interesting newsletter that will uh, let you know what's what's coming up on the podcast. It'll remind you that there's a podcast happening. Uh, I think that'll be important in terms of uh, you know, really spreading the word. It's it a a newsletter is something that you might be able to share a little bit more easily. It's one thing when I say share the show, but you know, what does that exactly mean? Are you going to pull over to the side of the road? You're going to click. Uh, you're going to you're going to find the link to uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast, and you're going to share that with somebody. That's a bit cumbersome. But if we send you an email, maybe that'll be a little bit easier uh, to share. All right, that's the end of that. That's it. Let's move on from there. We're done with that segment. I don't know if anybody's noticing. Every, all my sound cues are delayed today. I hit the sound cue, and it takes a good two seconds almost, it seems, for the sound cue to kick up. I don't know why, but uh, I'll probably go through and adjust that in post anyway, so you won't, you won't even hear it. You'll think I'm insane right now. Uh, yeah, Megan Rapino. I, I could not be more excited about... This story, I apparently am not one to shy away from indulging in schadenfreude, taking pleasure in somebody else's misery. I know it is wrong. I should be a better person than that. Megan Rapino choked in front of the entire world uh, as she led her team of strong, progressive women to utter failure, bombing out of the Women's World Cup. And let's just remember, this is a flashback. This clip came from the Gateway Pundit uh, prior to the uh, running of the World Cup, and it was the 
the soccer federation begging people to buy tickets to the games in the Netherlands because uh, nobody was buying tickets. My question just relates to the uh, ticket sales. There's been a lot of talk about the ticket sales in New Zealand. I'd just like to know what your thoughts are. Is FIFA concerned about some of the ticket sales? New Zealand, we want you. We need you. It's never too late to do the right thing. Come to watch the matches. We need full stadiums to warm us all up. Yeah, sorry, in, the, in New Zealand. They were having trouble selling tickets. <laughs> this actually, this is the best thing that could have happened to the Megan Rapino choking this way because now they're now everyone had turned and tuned in and said, "Oh wait, the World Cup is happening. This is there's this is actually going on. This is these are the best numbers they've ever had." Uh, here's a mashup. I went and looked at the. I went to go look for the Rapino clip, and what I discovered was. It actually is not just Rapino. It's the entire squad almost. This was a group failure. She was just the most famous failure. <laughs> but this was a group effort at at absolute failure. And I, that's appropriate too because you know, really it was a group effort at generating outrage uh going through these games. People were people were getting very upset because uh, the women's, the American women's soccer team refused to, not everybody, but m- most of them refused to take part in the singing of the national anthem. Uh, every country had their national anthem played, and uh, every country, their team were, their teams were patriotic for their own countries, except for the United States. These women very publicly took a giant dump on the United States of America. They they uh, uh, were publicly disparaging it by basically saying America is not even worthy of its national anthem. We are they're not worthy of us taking part in the national anthem. America isn't worthy. And then they displayed this epic failure, and 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 also it happened in a way that that uh, really highlights how boring soccer is soccer is a terrible 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 spectator sport i know plenty of people enjoy playing it and that's great lots of kids enjoy playing it it's a wonderful kids game um to watch it as an adult no wonder people have to be drunk to be into this game because this game's awful they they, they these women played uh, for I, whatever I don't know what it is an hour and a half two hours eternity and the final score was zero zero so they have to figure out how well who's going to win this game so they go to penalty kicks this is they've had overtime nobody scored in overtime it's still zero zero well that's exciting everybody you get to see the ball going back and forth up and down the field all day long and not see a single goal scored. So finally, the way that they do it is uh, each team gets to picks five kickers who each kick at the goal against the goalie, and uh, the first team that gets to five wins. And uh, at some places, actually, it's it, it looks like that's the way they did it here. In some places, you have your five. If there's still if you're tied after the, each team has their five kicks, then it goes to sudden death, and it's whoever scores next. But this doesn't look like they went to sudden death. This looks like they did. They did the five kickers. They were still tied after five kickers each, 
And then after that, they went into another round of kicking, and that it was the. It seems to be Sweden was the first team that got to five, and so they won. Does that not sound like the most insane sport? at a professional level, on a global stage. To me, that sounds like uh, on a playground. Oh, we're at the end of recess. We have to figure out who's going to win. <laughs> so, okay, whoever scores next wins. This is ridiculous that this is how you would finish out a championship-level game in any sport. But here is the American team, one after another, Losing like giant losers. Rapino, right foot's it That's Rapino's kick. Oh, this loser. Kick could do it. This is Vucevic. Vucevic, she goes to shoot. Oh, no, Missed loser. It. She missed two. Hera. Hera. Oh, no, she missed two. This was a team effort of losing. Losing losers and the losers who love losing. And now... They uh, have an interview with the loser, Megan Rapino, uh, the lead loser. Uh, here she is immediately after the match talking to the press about what a wonderful job she's done. Yeah, I thought we played really well. Um, <laughs> I thought we played really well. I'm so happy for us that we went out like that, um, <laughs> playing the way that we did and you know, having a ton of joy on the ball. They had a ton of joy on the ball. You know, to know that this is really the only time I've been in, in one of these. Um, the when she's talking about one of these, she's saying uh, a post-match interview, a wrap-out interview, an interview where you're done. This is the last interview you're getting. Uh, you may get some other little ones, but this is your last big one. Now go home. You know, to know that this is really the only time I've been in, in one of these um, this early, um, you know, says so much about how much how much success I've been able to have. And oh, what an ego on this woman! She has just humiliated herself. She just led a team-wide humiliation. Everyone shared the humiliation, and it's it's really just a testament to how great she's been. Um, just how much I've loved playing for this team and playing for this country and um yeah it's been an honor it's been an honor to play for the country i hate i mean i love i love some of the country i love the country the part of the country that agrees with me the rest of the country i don't love i'm on my knee against them i have my knee on their necks uh she goes on is there a memory that stands out to you right now in this moment she so she's had this career of top-level play. Uh, she's, she's the pinnacle of excellence in her field. What about the sport will she be taking with her? Oh, um, I mean, probably equal pay chance um, <laughs> after the final. Um. <laughs> her activism is the most meaningful thing about her career on the field. And I think, you know, they were saying equal pay, but could have been saying a lot of things. I think this team has always fought for so much more, and uh, that's been the most rewarding part for me, of course. You know, maybe if you had fought for some goals, <laughs> that might have been rewarding too. Maybe you wouldn't be doing this interview right now. You know, to know that we've used our really special talent to do something, you know, that's really like changed the world forever. I think that means the most to me. And 
She thinks she's changed the world forever. This is a complete egomaniac. She is a total egomaniac. I'm terrified of whatever she's going to move on to to fill the hole of her ego. She's going into politics. And let's just talk about their incredibly special talent for a moment, shall we? Watch what a bunch of teenage boys did to the U.S. women's soccer team. Now, these are U15 boys that's under the age of 15 playing an exhibition match with none other than the U.S. professional women's soccer team. The women were reportedly preparing for a match with Russia when they agreed to play the D.C. Dallas under-15 boys team, and they were crushed! 5-2! to two. The U.S. women's soccer team was crushed! By a bunch of adolescent boys. <laughs> wow. What a special talent. Uh, you know, I don't want you to think... I understand the optics of me, a, a, a white male and balding at that, uh, for me to be looking down on these women. Who in the world am I to be looking down on these women? Well, <laughs> you're right. Who am I? Let's turn to other women. Here is from Sky News. If you're still a winner, people will kind of maybe tolerate the political activism. But if you are politically activated and a loser, it's not a good recipe. And I <laughs> It think is a bad mixture indeed. But I've got to say, I think Megan was even as a winner, she was rubbing up people the wrong way. Just this mad uh, activism, taking a knee, having no respect for the anthem, no respect for the flag. And also some of the... This is people of other countries noticing that she is terrible to America. Advocacy for equal pay that just was not grounded in logic or data where, where you know, if you don't generate the income, you can't expect to get the income. I think the oh! <laughs> wow. She's being savaged by other women. You don't need you don't need a white male. You don't need a white guy like me to tell you here. Here's here is Tommy Laren. This woman is the epitome of selfish, and she made it really hard to root for the United States. And we all root for the USA. Don't get me wrong. Even if it is Megan Rapino and others that decided to kneel for the national anthem, we still root for this country. It would be nice, though, if those women who wear the USA on their jerseys could love the country as much as we do. I don't think that's too much to ask for, Sean. But here's another thing to this. You can be an activist. You can be an athlete activist. We see it with LeBron and we see it with many others across the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, you name it. There are activists, but yeah. you have to be good. And that's where Megan uh, lost and she fell on her face. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Megan, you would have a lot more leeway to do what you're doing if you were any good. Here's uh, Megan Kelly now tears into her. They didn't have their eye on the ball. They had their eye on their woke activism, which has been this way for a while. But Megan Rapino and her imprint on the team has now really made its mark. And I'm thrilled she's gone. I feel like this is there's a future now for this team, potentially, without this woman at the helm. And that's when they got more about their wokeism and their sort yeah. of social values. Just play the damn soccer, all right? Shut the f up. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, uh, here, so Megan Rapino. This was another thing that she did that got people upset when she won the World Cup uh, years ago when Trump was president. She made this comment, which upset a lot of people. And hang on, before I play it, I'm going to go in and I forgot to... 
I'm just gonna do it now. An interviewer asks Rapino if she's excited to visit the White House pending a fourth World Cup victory for the women's team. My ass. No. On Wednesday, the president responded on Twitter by saying, quote, Megan should win first before she talks. Finish the job. Rapino has long used her status as an athlete to support issues she believes in, including LGBTQ and minority rights. And her tangles with Trump go way back. In 2016, she became the first white athlete to kneel during the national anthem supporting football player Colin Kaepernick's protest of police brutality against racial minorities. After Trump said NFL protesters should be fired for, quote, disrespect of our heritage, Rapino told the BBC, quote, his comments are disgusting. They're un-American to say the very least. It's totally inappropriate. It's unpresidential. It's embarrassing. Thanks for watching. For more on this story and all your culture news, visit rollingstone.com. Yeah, don't here's my advice. Don't visit <laughs> rollingstone. Don't visit rollingstone.com for your culture news. <laughs> uh, here is Megan talking about I'm just going to play this so you can see how disgusting she is politically. She's she's the captain of the US women's team, but she's not. She's really only the captain of the US progressive women's team. And she displays that in her in her hatred for Trump. But the way that she frames this, listen to what she says at the very end of this clip. We don't want to go to the White House, but I think we will at some point um, be going to Washington. We've had so much support um, from so many politicians, um, from so many people there. Um, you know, just part of the movement. I feel like we're all sort of part of the same movement. Um, I think we're all part of the same movement. Again, that was back when Trump was president. So she's not going to go to the White House, but she will go to, she's talking about Congress. She's talking about AOC and Nancy Pelosi, that they're all part of the same movement. So this disgusting, vile person uh, basically hijacked what should be not political and made it political. She completely made her sport toxic. She set women back. The only people that don't realize that are the women who are too close to it to realize. But she has set you back. Uh, here is one of her teammates, Allie Krieger. This was back when, uh, we're going to do a little before and after. Here's uh, before when the uh, U.S. women's soccer team had won the World Cup. They were champions. And you and this, tweeted, this is CNN. And you tweeted, in regards to the president's tweet today, I know women who you cannot control or grope anger you, but I stand with Megan Rapino, who will sit this one out as well. I don't support the, this administration nor their fight against LGBTQ plus citizens, immigrants, and our most vulnerable. So when you say sit this one out, you meant that you would not go to the White House if invited. No, absolutely not. Um, I refuse to respect a man that warrants no respect. And, um, you know, I feel like staying silent, um, you know, at times can side with the oppressor. And I, I didn't can side with the oppressor. Trump is the oppressor. Again, you, we've covered this many times on this program. The entire world, the entire worldview of the left is, is defined through oppressor, oppressed. And in every single narrative, there is an oppressor, there is the oppressed. And these women who have, are living a total life of privilege, earning way more than they deserve based on, on the revenue they generate... They demand equal pay, but they do not generate equal revenue at all. So they're overpaid, overprivileged, mostly all white women. 
But they're the oppressed. With the oppressor, and I, I didn't want her to feel that she was, um, you know, kind of having to process this all alone because a lot of us do have those similar feelings. So do you, I mean, I know how you feel. You've been quite clear. Megan Rapinoe has as well. Do you think that your whole team would rather accept an invitation from Congress and go to the House of Representatives than the White House? Oh, you did? <laughs> how does that go? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I could say after this game, we could pack our bags and we'd be on our way. On our way to Congress. Uh well, here's Allie after the humiliating loss. She's not on the team anymore. She had to watch from home uh, her teammates humiliatingly choke in front of the entire world. <laughs> and apparently she felt like she choked too. Um, Allie, just on the onset, your initial reaction from what we just saw. I'm so gutted. I was, I, I'm actually kind of surprised. I'm a little overwhelmed, um, because I just never, I never thought, um, that we would, uh, you know, this would happen today, especially in the PKs. I think we dominated really well. We came out. The PKs are the penalty kicks. I had to look that up. I didn't know what she was talking about. The PKs. The PKs. I think we dominated really well. We came out and this was probably our best start the whole tournament. And <laughs> their best start zero zero. <laughs> and so um, it's a bit shocking for me uh, as one of my best friends. You know, I, I feel for her. I am so sad for talking about Megan uh, as one of my best friends. You know, I, I feel for her. I am so sad for her to to go out like that. Is is um, really unfortunate. <laughs> I, I know the team and and herself. They they wanted to obviously win, not just because of you know her uh, retirement, but it, it's she she deserves all the good things because she's given this game so much. She's given this team so much and you know those are obviously choices but so much that the entire world is rooting against them most of the united states is laughing right now i couldn't be happier no i take that back i would be happier if you were not anti-american social justice warrior marxists that you loved the country and the constitution most importantly that you loved the constitution and that you didn't just look at this country uh as some sort of eternally flawed uh uh condemnable place that you would rather not be from uh that would be my first hope short of that this has been perfect um uh, yeah, here's a clip of how arrogant this is. This was Megan Rapinoe uh, partying with the trophy after she won. It, it, just listen to the arrogance. What do you have to I say? This. I deserve this. What do you deserve? I deserve this. You deserve all of it. I deserve all of it. She's holding the trophy in her hand and a bottle of champagne as well. What do you have to I say? What do you deserve? I deserve this. You deserve all of it. Everything. Now, look, there's a lot of egomaniacs in sports. I think it actually comes with that championship level of play a lot of times. You have to believe in yourself uh, at, a, at a level most of us mere mortals never experience in order to have the confidence to go do what you're doing. I get that. Uh it's just when you mix it with this condescending and hateful rhetoric that she would spout and inspired others to spout, it just looks... History's not going to be kind to her. <laughs> That's a fact. Here is... Uh, uh, oh, jeez, oh, I need to look... I'm going to have to look up the... It's uh, Black Conservative Perspective on YouTube. Uh, 
So, again, this is an embarrassment, right? They have embarrassed this country, okay? They embarrassed the country uh, when the tournament first started because they wouldn't sing for the national anthem, right? You had the other side, okay, their opponents. I believe they were playing Vietnam. They were out there singing loudly and proudly, okay? Uh, they had no issues opening their mouth, putting their hands over their hearts and singing and showing pride in their country. The U.S. women's soccer team, though, they seem dead, right? They seem dead. They seem to me like they wanted to protest the anthem, right? And, you know, hey, this seems to be a fitting outcome as, again, now, again, they've been sent home, right? Uh, it seems like they didn't want to be there. Now they're not there, right? These women, <laughs> they deserve this, right? Like Megan Rapino said, we deserve this. I deserve this. Yeah, you deserve this, right? You deserve to lose. Uh, you're an embarrassment to this country. And, um, you know, it, 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 I think it's just something bittersweet about seeing Megan Rapino retire in the most embarrassing way possible, right? We'll never see her, you know, play again, okay? And, uh, again, she went out in the most fitting way with a choke job, right? <laughs> Everyone is taking a piece of her. Everyone except white liberal women. Uh, here is Megan. This is the last clip I'll play of this. This was her speech in New York. She went to New York uh, and was with de Blasio and the Soccer Federation, and they did a celebration there. And she gave... She, I think she thinks she's Hillary Clinton. She thinks she's had some kind of political accomplishment. And uh, she's at the podium giving a what I think is a political speech. We'll play a segment of it. This is my charge to everyone. And I don't know. You know, I saw her holding the bottle of champagne. I And I think this might be at the same event. She sounds like she's... Uh, like maybe been imbibing. I don't know. It, 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 she sounds a little bit like she's slurring her words. This may just be an affect of hers. But uh, when I when I saw her holding the bottle, I thought, okay, well, maybe she has been drinking. This is my charge to everyone. We have to be better. We have to love more, hate less. We got to listen more and talk less. We got <laughs> She really needs to be introduced to herself. <laughs> She's right. She just needs to take her own advice. She needs to love more, hate less. She needs to listen more and talk less. We have to be better. We have to love more, hate less. We got to listen more and talk less. We got to know that this is everybody's responsibility. Every single person here. Every single person who's not here. Every single person who doesn't want to be here. Every single person who agrees and doesn't agree. It's our responsibility to make this world a better place. I think this team does an incredible job of taking that on our shoulders and understanding the position that we have and the platform that we have within this world. Yes, we play sports. Yes, we play soccer. Yes, we're female athletes, but we're so much more than that. You're so much more than that. You're more than a fan. You're more than someone who just supports sports. You're more okay, I can't take it anymore. I'm done with her. <laughs> There's, I only got about halfway through the clip. I'm not playing any more of her. I can't stand it. That's enough. I'm sparing all of us anymore, Megan Rapino. Megan, thank you for failing so incredibly spectacularly. That was, that was wonderful. Uh, moving on, I saw this clip. This clip went viral. And I think it was on, I want to say it was on Libs of TikTok. 
It was, no, this was on Clown World, on Clown World on Twitter, or X, Clown World on X. And uh, here, listen, this is a, the, the, this is a black guy interviewing a, I think she's an Asian woman in a pink wig or with pink hair. Uh, it would seem to be like a, on a college campus or she's a college student or something like that. That's about, you'll, you'll get the sense of this. What do you think about white men? I think it's just the term white man, just immediate turn off. What do you think of black men? Love. <laughs> do you think it's racist to, by default, not like white men? I mean, I don't think so, because I think there's a difference between, like, racism and dis... Or, that's, that's an interesting question. It is an interesting question. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, I don't dislike but there is a like a uh, like nervous feeling i don't know so if you met someone who said that they get nervous around black men and that they've had bad experiences with black men would you still consider that racist Ooh, yeah i see your point i <laughs> uh, see our point okay interesting little video but that's not i didn't clip it because of that i clipped it because of this this was at the very end of it if you want to escape all the woke media, then check out the new movie, Nefarious. You can watch it on Vudu, Roku, Apple, and Google. <laughs> wow. So this was an ad. This was an ad. And for a movie that basically doesn't have anything to do with this. I had forgotten about this movie, Nefarious. I don't know if any of you remember this movie. Uh, here, listen, I, I pulled a clip from Nefarious. The entire human race, all of us, against all of you. Hmm. Well, you know, if that's the case, your side's not doing too well. So this is a, it's a, it's two guys in a prison cell. Uh, the first guy who was talking is the prisoner. He is claiming to be possessed uh, by demons. And this is, uh, the other guy at the table is, is an atheist who's brought in to basically analyze him, I guess, and break him down. I don't really know. I've never seen the film. Now I might, I might actually go see the film. This, this, this very sneaky ad (laughs) may have gotten me to want to go see the film here. Let me play a little more of this clip. Do you really believe that James? Yeah. We've never been freer. Literacy is at an all-time high. We're working to eliminate racism, intolerance, gender inequality. People can, people can love who they want, be who they want, do what they want. Diversity is no longer a dream. Hate speech is no longer tolerated. And politically, we're reclaiming the moral high ground. James, I think I love you. Literacy, James. James, the average high school graduate reads at a sixth grade level. You have basketball players making 30 million a year decrying racism, all while wearing sneakers made from slave labor. Now here's something for you. Right now, your world currently has 40 million slaves. More than the Romans had at the height of their empire. You wanna know the best part though? Half of those, half, are sex slaves, James. As for hate speech, well, you want to hear some irony? We didn't even come up with that one. You did it all by yourself. <laughs> Sometimes you amaze even us. I fail to see the humor. 
Bottom line is you're done. It's over, that's it. And we did it all right to your face, James. And now there's evil everywhere. And no one even cares. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree. Proving that we achieved our goal. Slowly, with your movies, your TV, and your media. We desensitized you. Redirected your worldview to the point that you can't even recognize evil when it's right in front of your face. More to the point, James, you can't even feel it when you're doing it. Yeah, I remember wanting to go see that film uh, when it came out, but for some reason, I guess I never made it to the theater. Uh, I think I am going to make a point to see it now. Uh, good marketing. And I, I, the reason that I pulled this at all is because I just want to highlight whether it's Barbie marketing. They're you know market using social justice uh, uh, marketing to push their film. Although they didn't do it in the initial marketing, they certainly uh, encouraged it in the uh, follow up campaign. Um, uh, they 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 love the controversy of it. There's a lot of marketing opportunity uh, for uh, using woke on both sides of it, and. Uh, uh, using woke to uh, market nefarious may have actually worked on me. I don't know. I'll let you know. Maybe I'll, maybe I will see it before the next episode. Um, and last thing here, this is from this is from Libs of TikTok. <sighs> I just want to let you know that the the uh, I'm just going to paint a picture for you. The voice you're going to hear is. Uh, a this person is in a pink tank top and denim short shorts and wearing red lipstick and has their hair up in curls gender is like the inside filling of a donut you can't gender just for people who can't hear over that music gender is uh, like the inside filling of a donut Gender is like the inside filling of a donut. You can't tell what's on the inside just by looking at the outside. I can, I can in this case, <laughs> I can tell. Let's take this jelly-filled donut, for example. Usually donuts that look like this are filled with raspberry jam, but it could be strawberry or rhubarb. We just don't know. The same logic applies to babies. You can't know a baby's gender until they're old enough to tell you themselves. Sure, you can make an educated guess, but why risk being wrong? This is exactly why gender reveal parties are so silly. It's like celebrating this chocolate donut for having vanilla cream filling when it could have banana pudding inside. In a perfect world, we just celebrate the donut, not the filling inside. Maybe we even give babies gender neutral names to start so that there's no expectation of a gender they're supposed to live up to. Maybe we give them choices along the way so that they can figure it out for themselves. Like, what kind of clothes do you want to wear or what kind of toys do you want to play with? Maybe kids get to have their own gender reveal party so that they can tell the world themselves. <laughs> wow. I think I know what's in his donuts. It's semen. <laughs> That's hot. I, anybody who takes parent, parenting advice from that dude needs to have their head examined. Maybe we all need to have our heads examined. Thank you very much to everybody for tuning in to another episode of the Truth Bait Podcast. I do appreciate that you give of your time, which you cannot get back. So I hope you found it worth it to spend your time listening to the Truth Bait Podcast. We come to you twice a week. 
Tuesdays and Fridays generally without fail to the best of our ability. And uh, hopefully Jeremy Siegel will be able to join us again soon to deliver his truth. But until then, it is back to the sea of clickbait with us all.